Welcome to Dark Horse Matters, the show about people, their passions, and their pursuit toward happiness. I'm Bev Matayoshi, your host, and my passion is talking to people and uncovering what drives them and, you know, makes them pursue their dreams in life. And if you're just tuning in, don't forget to like and subscribe, hit that notification bell because you never know, you could be the next person that gets inspired by a story that you hear on the show. And you know, it just motivates you to take action and go after it. So today's guest is uh, a very special person I just reconnected with recently um, when I was doing the video for my 20 year high school reunion. Um, so a lot of people during that time, I wasn't, you know, I just started reconnecting, you know, over years, I haven't spoken to the, to a lot of my high school um, people, you know, for many years, but recently reconnected with her. And I just was so inspired by her story. Like, really, she's been through so much in her life. And I just see her as, you know, a beacon of hope for a lot of women who's been through a lot in their life. And she is just a champion and has just come through her struggles in life. And she is just just such a positive force and just a beacon of hope that you can come out of any type of traumatic events that you've experienced growing up and you, you can just be healthy and happy. You know, there's hope, you know? So I, I, I'm just, so blessed that I reconnected with her and that we are friends again. And um, I just hope that this story, her story will really impact a lot of people out there. So without further ado, I would like to introduce you to Jessica Mokowahi. Of <laughs> the bells, yay. Hi Jess, how are you? Good, how are you Bev? I'm good. And you know, I just love your backdrop because it just shows your personality. You're such an ocean person and outdoorsy person. I've always known you as someone who's uh, very athletic and just, you know, really in one with nature. Oh, I can't hear you. Yeah, I can hear you now. So Jess, um, can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Like um, I was thinking like, Growing up in Hawaii, both me and you, you know, we're both from Kaneohe <laughs> and um, yes. people, when they, they hear that we're from Hawaii, they just think that it's just all paradise and rainbows and you're just, you know, every day is a luau, you know, <laughs> but you know, like, so I just want to ask you, like, can you share with the audience, like, what was it like growing up in paradise for you? Yes. So you're right. When you know, people always associate Hawaii with paradise, with luau's, perfect weather, um, perfection, really. Um, for me, it was completely different. I had a very dysfunctional, traumatic, scary, you name it, kind of childhood. So just a little background on myself. You know, my mom and dad, they never married. They were both drug addicts growing up. Um, uh, my mother didn't know it back then, but she was struggling with paranoid schizophrenia. So on top of the drug abuse, she was like undiagnosed at the time. So if I could set the stage for my life, it was, it was instilled with fear. Um, just, just dysfunctional, you know, um, I can remember one time you know, I didn't know what I did wrong, but my mom just flipped out on me, um, severely was beating me. Um, I, I, I just remember being so afraid. And I, that time she was giving me a bath. And for some reason, she just grabbed my neck and just put me under the water. And she was trying to kill me. She was trying to end my life. And my brother, who's 11 months older than me, you know, he ran in and just, just pushed my mom from the back and said, mom, what are you doing? And my mom like snapped out of her rage, you know, and he, my brother actually saved my life. So if you, I, I just remember just being afraid all the time, um, walking on eggshells, just being afraid of everything. I was always worried about getting beaten for whatever the case may be. I saw strange men coming in and out of the house. It was just a very unstable situation you know, growing up with um, 
um, sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse. Um, it was uh, uh, overwhelming to say the least. You know, um, I, 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 with this, bringing you on this show here, like there's kind of a goal that I, I wanna achieve with, with you telling your story. Cause if what you're gonna say, a lot of the stuff that you're gonna say, talk about, which I really appreciate you being so vulnerable with the audience because um, a lot of the things that you're gonna talk about are not happy things, you know, like it's, right. but it's real. People go through, um, you're not the only one in the world that has experienced trauma at a young age. And right. um, I just want the audience to understand, you know, like some of the things that you're going to hear are not, you know, um, it's not all paradise and rainbows, you know, but it's important for people to know, you know, like um, what you've been through because um, of everything that you've accomplished in the end, you know, like where you are now, it, it's just an amazing transformation that you have have done and it didn't happen overnight it, it took a lifetime to achieve and um a lot of work and a lot of support from all the people around you that love you so right. um i just really appreciate you coming in and just an introduction story you know like after i say what was it like growing up in hawaii you know like that <laughs> first story you just told is just like wow you know um just the fact that your brother saved your life you know like that mm -hmm. is just yeah. Um, you know, children shouldn't go through that kind of, you know, that shouldn't be the memories that you have growing up, but it's real. So, you know, like, I, I just wanted to kind of bring back like a, the, one of the memories I have of you, you know, in <laughs> high school, like yeah. we, we met in high school. Um, we weren't like in the same circle of friends, but I do remember right. having you in one of my classes freshman year. I think it was freshman year. Um, and I just always remember you sitting in the back of the class. I think that you're, you always used to sit next to Bronze and Tom and, you know, you guys, are football, you guys are the popular people, you know, the football players and, you know, and I was the nerd, you know, that sat in the front all the time. But um, yeah. I, I always saw you as such a beautiful person. I always thought you were very stunning. And I always thought that you're so cool because you could surf so good, you know, like I, surfing was something I always wanted to do, but I just, we were farm girls, you know, like what we did yeah. during the summer was work in the fields. We didn't go to- Me the too. Me too. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't <laughs> yeah, know that. Yeah. But yeah, so when I, I just remember the memory I have of you in high school was just, you know, uh, you're one of the popular girls. You had a very handsome boyfriend. I remember I used to just be mesmerized with how beautiful of a couple you guys were. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, just like, you know, in, in school, you know, what was that like growing up? Like, you know, your experience in high school must have been so different because of your home life. Can you kind of walk us down like what you experienced? Yeah, so yes. So high school for me was an absolute blur you know, looking back as a grown woman and then looking back at high school, the high school Jess, two different situations here because I was unknowingly living with childhood PTSD, like severely. So learning for one thing was extremely difficult for me. Like I had major people anxiety, I had trouble trusting people. I, I was so intimidated to just, if a teacher would call on me, for anything, I mean, I would just be freaked out about that. But, you know, I had low self-esteem, um, trouble concentrating. I can remember all these, like, I don't even remember teachers' names from, if I could name one, I can't. Because the pain that I was harboring in my heart and soul was just overwhelming, you know. And I often drowned that all out with alcohol, you know. Like, I started drinking at 14 years old to like numb the pain. And I didn't realize, you know, for one, I, I was born into a family with addictions, drug, alcohol, um, gambling, you name it, we have a bunch of addictions. So it wasn't even my fault. I'm born into this family, you know, I love them, no problems there. But I, for me, it, coming out of the womb, I was always going to struggle with that. So not knowing that. <laughs> and as a teenager, having to deal with an addiction that was just going to be a part of my life was was very hard to deal with. 
Um, it got really out of control by the time I was a senior in high school. Uh, my social worker begged me to go to AA. I mean, nobody knew this. You could look at me and say, oh, she's, she's so pretty or she's so cool, this and that and the other. But I was struggling bad with alcoholism. I could just remember drinking, blacking out how many countless times drinking cases of beers by myself. It was, and I just didn't know that the reason I was consuming so much alcohol is because I was suffering inside. Like the trauma was so bad. Um, and it was ruining my life. It was right. the one night that I got so drunk that I attempted suicide. I didn't even, I wasn't even my right state of mind. And I, I did, I was a senior in high school, um, maybe halfway through the year and I attempted suicide. Said senior? Senior year, senior year. I was senior year. Yeah, wow. probably nobody knew. Like I was, it was shortly before the senior luau. That's the only thing I can remember because my adopted, you know, I was homeless on top of that. I got kicked out of my house. I was living, my clothes was thrown out. My grandmother got so tired of my BS. It's like, you're drinking too much. You're out of control. I disrespected her. Didn't even know, you know, I was not in my right state of mind. And had she known I was suffering all these years, maybe I could have got the help back then. But instead, my clothes were all put in a trash bag, thrown out on the yard. And I was homeless senior year right after that. Wow. I was living from house to house. Like I lived at Delcy for a couple you know, a couple weeks, I lived with Sheree, I don't know if you remember her for a couple weeks, no place to stay. So this all happened senior year. And that Girl, was senior like year point. like, but I'm sure like, what was the earliest memory of uh, when your abuse started? Like, do you do you have any memory of like, what, how of how of, old of the sexual the sexual abuse? Probably or just any abuse? Any like, abuse? Oh, yeah, that's toddler, probably two years or younger. I can remember it happening then all the way to what second grade when I was um, removed from the home and placed in foster care. So from baby to how old is second grade, seven or eight years old? Yeah, I was at Ben Parker. And I was removed from the home and placed um, with um, trust. I haven't said it in so long, but I was a part of, I became property of the state, the queen. During this time, like as a foster child, like, were you hopping from family to family? Like, what was that like living in the system? Oh my gosh. The first foster home was amazing. I moved to Waimanalo. This foster family showed us so much love. We I, I was never, I was never shown any affection. Um, never, like, I don't remember having a birthday party at Christmas or anything normal like that. This family um, really gave that gift to us of love, affection, something, a safe haven, safe home. We lived right down by the beach. So at this point in my life, I'm taken from my biological family, placed in a foster home in Waimanalo, right next to the beach. At that point, I knew like I was the happiest kid in the world, despite coming from hell on earth. I, I, my soul is awakened. I could go and walk to the beach, go boogie boarding, like play outside in a yard. Like I had the best time of my life, even though it was with a new family, but the ocean was just so special to me. And I knew it from that age and, you know this time that you spent with this family that actually showed you what, you know, what a family is supposed to look like, you know, how short lived was that? That was about two years because the, her husband got cancer and, you know, it was such a tragic um, situation. And, you know, being eight years old, you don't really understand that, but you, you know, my soul was crushed when they said, Oh, we have to go to a different family. My soul was crushed. I mean, I, I never knew what happiness looked like until I, I was there with this foster home. And my brother and I like wept in the car as our social worker drove us away. It was just like the social worker on Lily and Stitch. He had a gray bug just like that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> B-dub drove us out of there. I was bawling in tears like I was at a funeral. Like I hurt so bad. 
Um, and then that's when we um, moved back to Kaneohe and then we went to Ahuimanu for fifth and sixth grade, I think it was. Yeah, and, to another foster home family. Mm-hmm. And they were a really nice, nice family. Well, that's great to hear that you were able to experience foster care with decent people though. Cause like right. I, I hear horror stories, you know, like when kids in the system go to mm-hmm. all these and they, they end up running away because this, you know, whatever, right. wherever they end up with is not a very stable place either, you know? So I'm, I'm happy that you were able to experience that. And that actually that you were together with your brother still, that's, yes. That's yes. Amazing. That was one of the requirements that we had to be together and not separate. They had to take both of us. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's great to hear that you guys, you know, were able to do that. Um, Can you and about if you're comfortable with talking about this, um, Mm -hmm. about the sexual abuse, like at Mm -hmm. what age did that start? Same age from probably from toddler or younger to second grade. So that whole period. Wow. I, I can remember. Yes, absolutely. And was your parents like, were your mom, was your mom aware of what was going on? No, nobody knew what was going on because the person that was the abuser, you know, I mean, I kept, he had me under control. I'm a kid. Like all I knew is to shut my mouth, don't say anything, or you're going to get lickings. So already I'm already traumatized from surviving death from being drowned and abused from my mother and then here you I have another abuser who's telling me if you say something you're going to get dirty lickings so I'm just paralyzed in fear I can't tell you how scared I was growing up that feeling never left me of high anxiety high stress high alert at a very young age I was very stoic if you could I if I could look at pictures of myself and it was like no emotion very sad what um and how how did that like experience like impact your just relationships moving forward with men you know like in general like because of that because I mean I mean I can't even pretend to understand what that's like you know like so like when you're building relationships as a young person, you know, 12, 13 years old, and, um, you know, you start coming into your body and puberty and all that, it's already confusing enough during that time. So what was it like for you? Like that transition? That transition for me was a little rocky because I was not shown a healthy relationship. You know, I wasn't shown boundaries because I had none. So for me, I always try to control my environment to protect myself. That's speaking of somebody with severe trauma. So I, looking back at the baby Jess, the young Jess, I was very controlling. I was very angry. I had a hot temper. Um, uh, It was not healthy. I mean, given I was abused, I felt like I was also dishing that kind of vibe out, which was not cool to the guys that I used to date. Um, Not saying that I was a super monster all the time, but I was very insecure, very insecure about any relationship that I was in. Um, Again, very controlling. Um, and, And when I would get drunk, I would get extremely violent and turn into this horrible person like the Hulk, turn green, veins all out, popping out, ready to scrap. I mean, I was, I was physically abusive. Um, in turn, the relationship was, was abusive both ways. So if I'm throwing blows, the guy's throwing blows back at me. It was just like a normal thing, which is not normal. Domestic violence is not cool. Right. But again, again, given my background, all I knew is violence, dysfunction. That was my normal. When you grad after high school, um, when you graduated from high school, like, what was that transition like, you know, because everybody else is like going to college, you know, like, I I know you joined the military, like what inspired you to go that route? Like, and what, what made you make that decision? After high school was a disaster, because I barely graduated for one, because I was in a drunken state of mind, Uh, got into a DUI uh, uh, accident. um, But I, 
actually it was like a head-on kind of collision kind of because I was drunk um, and my adoptive family just had enough of me and kicked me out so once again I was homeless so a friend of mine invited me to stay with her and I didn't know it then but her <laughs> cousin was a drug dealer so I go and move into her apartment and they offer me crystal meth and of course you know I just came out of a really messy relationship I'm depressed. I don't know how to handle the breakup. So not only am I still battling alcoholism, I take one hit of crystal meth and I'm I'm completely addicted. It's free drugs. I don't have to pay for a thing. Um, for seven or eight months straight, I'm doing crystal meth every single day. I'm losing weight. I look like a zombie, look horrible. You know, this was my life. The same thing I told myself as a kid that I would never be like my mother. I was literally walking down the same path uh, as my mom, like destruction, complete destruction. And I just knew like, <laughs> I told myself I wouldn't do this and here I am, you know? Right. And, and what inspired you to go to boot camp? I mean, like you, I mean, that is like, you know, you go from being yeah. out of control and you're going to an, an environment where you need to have ultimate control. It's like discipline, you know, that's what they teach right. you. Here. Yeah, I, there's one day I was coming down from a high and I was in the bathroom. I remember it straight to this day, I'm in the bathroom and I'm like, you know what, this is, this is not a life for me. You know, I'm thinking, I'm like, this is, this is not what I want to do with my life you know, I'm going to join the army, I'm going to make something of myself because I, I can't do this anymore. And um, I didn't know, I didn't have my faith back then. Like I didn't know God wasn't raised in the church or anything like that. Didn't have a relationship with God. Um, but I knew there was a spiritual higher power back then because my, my great grandmother used to take me to church and I knew to call and look up. So I looked up and said, if you can help me out, you know, I mean, I can't do this. I can't do this life anymore. And like the next day I just snapped out of it and I called my grandma, my maternal grandmother and asked her if, she, if I could move back home so I can, you know, I told her I was going to join the army and whatever means that it would take for me to join, I was going to make it happen. So I forced myself to be clean, get off the drugs, like stop all of it. And so I did. That's exactly what I did. I took the ASVAB and um, got myself clean and went straight to boot camp. They sent me straight to South Carolina. And you, I remember, like when we talked before, you you mentioned that your whole time in boot camp, you were like detoxing. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I just got off of drugs and I'm like in basic training. Um, it's insane. I that was also a blur. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that was a blur. I don't know how, I mean, I even went up to for a soldier of the cycle award. So like the best top soldiers would go up for the top award. And I went up for that and I was studying the manual to get ready for, to go before the board and like simple questions, Beb, like I couldn't answer it. Like I couldn't, they, they thought I did so amazing, you know, but they had no idea. I was like, detoxing from drugs and like the severe trauma that I had and like I could barely like answer simple questions um, basic training was a breeze but the studying part was really tough for me yeah but I feel like your your physical capabilities and your your abilities to your your athlete your athletic abilities probably really really helped you during that time right it wow. did I mean I know that being an athlete is a blessing because it always, I mean, from the time I was a kid, whether it was track, cross country, surfing, paddling, that always balanced me out. Like I have so much like energy and so much, I almost had so much rage inside that if I didn't have that athletics or something to mellow me out, I would be fighting people all day long. Like I was a monster inside because I had so much inside that I was trying to deal with and I didn't know how to deal with those things, emotions. Right. So like, uh, 
I just feel like, you know, that has just been a blessing, not, and also just, you know, the way you found the military to help you. Um, oh, yeah. These things just, you know, it kind of worked out for you that way. But what a blessing that you had that kind of outlet, you know, and, and even till this day, it's just so amazing, you know, to see you just, um, move forward and a lot of it has to do with this energy that you you put forth into your athletic abilities and we're going to get more into that um but now let's walk through like when did you meet your husband who is an amazing person um like how did how did you two meet and you guys have known each other a really long time now i mean you guys have been together for a long time yeah so um after basic training i went to korea for a year and then I was stationed at Fort Carson, Colorado, and that's where I met my husband, Sean. Um, Fort Carson is located in Colorado Springs, for those that don't know. And we were, I was 20 at the time when we met, and I'm now 43, so we've <laughs> been together for a very long time. Like, um, it was like an instant attraction. I knew there was something different about him because he was like the patient, kind, funny kind of mama's boy and I was used to the roughnecks like come on let's go let's go drink let's let's party like I was <laughs> came from very unhealthy relationships so having something different was like really refreshing like really different which is what I needed in my life right and so. Sean like did he were you open with him during that time like about what you've been through as a as a child yes. and just growing up? I was completely open and kind of shared my story and with him and he knew about everything, but he just really didn't understand why I was so like punchy, you know, like I would get drunk and just want to fight him, want to, I mean, I would curse him out. I would talk, say the most horrible things to him when I was be drunk. Um, I'd want to fight people um, in my unit like it, it was very unhealthy and for me to not be able to turn that off was really frustrating for myself because I always thought something was wrong with me why am I so angry why do I have such rage inside why do I want to punch people in the throat like I'm thinking it but I don't actually do it but I'm thinking it you know which is almost the same as doing the the act but um, I just didn't understand myself and I but Thankfully, he was a, a really patient human being and really loved me for who I was. Um, and he was very patient. And throughout your marriage, like, um, have you ever tried to seek counseling at all? Like, you know, try to understand where all that rage was coming from? Like, because if you don't know that you have PTSD, like, how do you deal with that? You know, like, exactly. Like, I, I didn't know. And like, we were married at age 21. Okay, so we were babies when we got married. And we got into this huge fight, just maybe six months into the, no, five months into the marriage. My rage and out of control, like Hulk mentality, like it got the best of our relationship. And I actually got my husband arrested. Um, he was sent to jail because of my explosive, uncontrollable actions. Like I put my hands on my husband, you know, I was about to like choke him out. I wanted to like literally kill him, like not kill him, but I just wanted to like make him hurt, you know? And, um, I didn't know why I reacted that way for this simple argument that escalated so badly. And, you know, after that huge fight where he got, he was arrested in front of all of our peers. It was super embarrassing, um, more so for him than me, because I looked like I was the victim. When in reality, he was the victim. He had been the victim for a, a while, you know, and um, it was a lot for me to bear. Um, to even process because again, I didn't have like a healthy upbringing. I didn't know how to communicate. None of that was a normal thing for me. Um, but after that um, huge event of our marriage that was so fresh and so new that kind of propelled us to move away from that kind of lifestyle with the partying and the drinking. And um, we got involved in our local church. Uh, Sean wanted to share her story about 
you know, his time in jail and, and our experience with the domestic violence. Um, and we just wanted to help people, um, even though we were just so new, like we don't know what it is to be married. We're 21 years old, but I mean, that scared us so bad. Like we, we don't want any of that lifestyle. And so that was a turning point for both of our lives. And we haven't looked back since. We've been married for 22 years. That's great. Like when you have that kind of, um, you know, dynamic and you've been through that, like the fact that he went to jail because of that, like the, the fact that um, you guys went through something like that. I mean, him going to jail yes. because of you, like, yeah. I mean, that's usually when marriages end, you know what I mean? Yep. Like the fact that you guys got through that is just really amazing and you know the love that you guys have for each other and the commitment you know um throughout the years and especially knowing you know um what you've been through i mean god bless him and you know for having patience with you and for you to actually put in the work to un try to understand what was happening you know but when when did you actually seek the kind of help that really opened your eyes to what was happening in your mind and why you were behaving the way you were. Okay. Yeah. So in uh, 2014, we moved to Charleston, South Carolina. Um, and then a few years later, I, well, not a few years, but in, I think in 2015, 2016, I found out there was a canoe club here. So I got plugged in because I wanted to be, first of all, I was stoked that we, there was an actual canoe and I haven't even set foot in a canoe in over 22 years so I was like yeah sign me up like where's this canoe I'm, I, I want to paddle so they introduced me to um, the team and um, also got introduced to dragon boat paddling which I have had at the time no idea what that was so I joined Charleston Paddle Club, um, started dragon boat paddling and paddling on the outrigger canoe, the six man outrigger canoe. And I was like the happiest girl in the world. Like I felt like I was back at home and, you know, going back to my first love of paddling and surfing. And I'm doing all these things that I did as a kid. And um, it brought me so much joy. And anyway, long story short, uh, one of the coaches from the U.S. National Dragon Boat team did a clinic in Charleston, and he kind of messaged me one day and was like, I remember it clear as day, it was like 2016 summertime. He was like, Jess, I think you should try out for the U.S. National Dragon Boat team. I'm like, what team? What? What is that? He's like, the U.S. team. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, you should. And like this coach just saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. Um, and it propelled me to just go for it. And I was like, if this coach says I can do it, I was like, yeah, I can do it. You and know, the, so, the U.S. national team, like, what is that? Like, is that the team that goes to the Olympics? Like, so, so dragon boat paddling is not a official Olympic sport. So it's not the one where it's like the every four years you have the summer and winter Olympics, right? but it's the national team that competes at the world level. So it's the highest level for dragon boat, the dragon boat sport Okay. until it becomes a official Olympic sport. So it's our world championships wow. for dragon boating. That is so cool. And you know, dragon boating, I never even knew what that was until I moved to Los Angeles. Like one of my friends did that in Long Beach and I, I just thought it was so cool, you know, and it really is a team sport. It's and, the ultimate team sport. Yeah, and it looks really hard. Like it does it's not look easy. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so like, tell me about like, you know, tell me about the, when you tried out, like tell me exactly what your experience was when you tried out. So I'm, so I'm just so over the moon, like, yes, I'm gonna go try out and do my first time trial and, and, you know, I flew to Philly, did my first time trial. So you have to paddle in the Alberga canoe, one man and about, it's about, it's 750 meters. So it's about half a mile. And you just, it's a time, time trial. And I didn't have a coach, didn't know what I was doing um, clearly because I had an average time. Um, my technique was pretty good because the outrigger paddle was still there the outrigger stroke was still there um but I didn't do that well but you know uh 
I knew that that wasn't my best. So I reached out to a coach to help me perfect it. Because how was I supposed to do a time trial when I wasn't even coached to do one? Didn't have the skills to do it because I didn't have a coach. So that was a lesson for me to not just do life alone. Don't do things on your own. You need help from somebody. So a coach worked with me. I said, hey, show me how to do a time trial. I know I can do it. I know I can do it. Trust me. I can do this, right? So he worked with me, gave me some drills uh, and got me trained up. And two months later, I retested and I dropped my time by 22 seconds, which is completely unheard of. You know, I mean, from a rookie, from somebody who hasn't paddled in over 20 years and I dropped my time that significantly was like mind blowing. I had like the second fastest time of the day on the long course. And on the short course, I got the fastest time of the day. That is so cool. Putting work in. And immediately I went from like rookie or standby to like making, uh, earning a seat on the U.S. National Dragon Ball team. That is just incredible. Amazing. And, you know, it's so important for people to know that, like, if you want something, you getting a coach is like essential. You cannot you know, expect your yourself to just, you know, uh, if you want to results faster, you know, like getting a coat. Sorry. I love him. Levi. I know. I know. I'm just afraid she's going to pull the curtain down right on my head. (laughs) (laughs) But so getting a coach is is just essential if you want results quickly. And I just like that you you went ahead and you saw the value in that. And can you tell me like, during this time when you have a pursuit and a purpose that you're working towards, like, I'm sure that really just made you happy. And it was something that you could focus on. But what was your PTSD like during this, this time? Did you ever struggle with that still? Well, um, at that time, so after China, that was about a year, it was 2017, I got back from China. And you, you, you come back from a super high, like high level, high energy from competing and meeting people from all over the world and sharing the stage, the world stage with many amazing athletes. And then you come back home and I, you know, I get out of a rhythm. I, I was actually, I experienced a little bit of depression because, you know, you spent like half a year training and and critiquing yourself and you have this set regimen I do this thing every single day every single day um and all of a sudden all that just stops I'm like I started retreating and I wasn't happy I almost went to a dark space in my head like and and I didn't quite understand what was happening so my husband um uh, asked if we could seek uh, marriage counseling because for me like I would just shut down and not talk. I just, Mm -hmm. that was just me. I would block everybody out. Nobody came, could come into my circle. Nobody could come out. I won't let anybody in, probably just my husband and kids. Nobody else is allowed to be in the castle, so to speak, quote unquote. So we went to marriage counseling and, you know, I began sharing some of the things and struggles and immediately our counselor just noticed a few things and he you know, kind of kept quiet. And um, this is uh, over a period of weeks now, weeks and months. And um, one time he just said, hey, Jess, I, I think that you should um, seek professional help. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you know, I don't speak like womanese. He, he said that like, you know, he doesn't speak like women, like how women speak in, in terms of, just relating in that matter. And, and I said, okay. So he sent me to another female counselor, right? And so this female counselor was just listening to my story and she kind of sat back and said, why have you gotten professional help, like a psychiatrist? And I'm like, no, she's like, why? You need to heal the little, the little Jess. So when she said that in that context, I, my brain could understand where she was going. And I was like, oh, I was like, but I don't have any hatred against my family. Like, I don't hate anybody. Like, I forgot about the past. 
It's like, no, no, Jess, you need to heal the little Jess inside of you. And right then and there, I walked out of the office, called the person that they recommended, which is a, um, a psychiatrist that deals specifically with sexual abuse, trauma, PTSD, childhood PTSD, um, anxiety, depression, all of that. I had all of it. So um, I dialed that number and like broke down in tears because I knew I needed, I needed to, I needed to go to the pain, which I was running away from the pain all my life. All my life, I ran from it. And this time I knew I needed to go toward the pain to be able to feel like some kind of healing some right. kind of like I, I just knew like my soul was in chains and it was really really scary for me to do to like run to the pain because a lot of times people don't want to feel pain they they just want to cover it up like a, you know you get a sore you just want to put the band-aid over it put neosporin and move on but like I had to rip all I had to rip it all off I had to like my soul was calloused over the years of just ignoring the pain and and suffering like it was bad you know and I spent eight months in therapy you know going twice a week and and it was the hardest thing I have ever done in my life like to have to go back and talk about all those things and process and try to understand but I knew that I needed to do that and at that point in my life I was 30 nine years old and I had to do it because I wanted to be free. I wanted to be free from that childhood trauma and the things that were probably haunting me and, and causing me, you know, nightmares and who knows what, like who knows what goes on in your subconscious when you're asleep. Like those things don't, they, they don't leave you. You got to deal with those demons or they will run your life. Right. Bottom line. Run your life and then ultimately take your life. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can't because you're bound. You can't live to your potential until you deal with that pain. Right. And that's what I did. And at age 40, I can tell you right now, uh, that last therapy session, I had to like, the, the interesting thing is like the sexual abuse, the trauma, the surviving death, the paranoid schizophrenic mom, scary face, all that kind of things like, you know, drug abuse, like, to me, that was nothing. But to talk about what I did to my husband, the, the man that I loved so much, the pain that I was harboring and the guilt and shame of him going to jail, losing his record, losing his, you know, his right to bear arms. That was the hardest thing. Like I cried like from my depth of my soul. Like I cried so hard that day like having to talk about what I, how bad I hurt him and the guilt that I was harboring. Mm -hmm. But once I released all of it, like my eyes, like, like the scales were just like, it was clear. Like I didn't have like the weight. Like if, if I could describe how I was feeling all my, the years of life, it was like a raging stormy sea in my soul where I couldn't trust men. I don't like talking to men. I had trouble even at work. If a male was like over my head, like I would just like tense up and freak out. But um, I knew that after my therapy session that all that was lifted because I have, I dealt with the pain. I've healed from the pain. I have released it and ultimately was free. I don't walk around tense on high alert, ready to defend, ready to, like, I was literally like an MMA fighter all the time inside, ready to like, oh my God, is somebody gonna attack me? Is, is somebody gonna hurt me? Is somebody gonna hurt my kids? Like, it's very unhealthy. Um, and to, if I could describe how I feel now, um, two years later after therapy, it's like a slack tide. Like, there's not a single wave in the ocean. It's just, just ever flowing smoothly. That's how my soul feels inside right now. Like I'm going with the waves. Whereas before I, I, I was drowning, I was drowning in these waves and they were just crashing over me and over me. And I, I could barely get to the surface all the time. It was very, it was very, ugh, I, I can't even like exhausting, right. you know, and thank God I have this crazy strength because I, I just don't know how my therapist was like, I don't know how you lived all these years with all that things that you've been through. I don't know how you did it. 
I was like, thank God for, for my desire for, to, to, to get outside and do, you know, exercise and clear my head because it was a healthy means for me. Right. You know, I'm so happy for you that you achieved this level of clarity and healing because a lot of people do not come out of it. You know, like it, that everything that you've been through, like, it's amazing that you're even still alive, you know, a hundred percent. I could have been the way my genetics are. I would still be in Hawaii, probably homeless or in a mental Institute where my mother is same exact situation. I would have been just like that. Not saying it's a bad thing. And I feel for our community that is that way. I, I really do because I, I lived it. I know it. Um, but I just hope to be that that light for those who might think it's too late to ever get help, or maybe they don't even realize that the pain and suffering is literally weighing them down and and stopping them to their best potential. I mean, everybody um, has that opportunity to get healing and to have freedom. It's out there for everyone, and I just hope that that my story can uh, just motivate others to do the same, even though it will hurt. <laughs> But I promise you, in the end, it's going to be worth it. Yes. And you really are um, just an example of a champion who who came out of it. You know, like um, the fact that you went through all that therapy and you do not even need to take meds for for all the trauma that you experienced. You know, a lot of times people cannot even come out of that without being medicated. And right. you're able to come out healthy with the you know the biology in your body you know and your mind completely free of drugs i i mean that is just unbelievable to me like right just mind-blowing and i'm well, so happy for you it's like when you you have the will and desire to be better because you know that you can be to just cut it off like that it's very difficult, Bev. I mean, people look at me and say, how did you get off of crystal meth and alcohol? Like how, like you just stop, like, how is that even possible? Sometimes it, it, I can't explain it, but the way my mind works, if I put my mind to a goal, it's going to happen no matter what. So I told myself, mind, you know what? You, you're done with this crystal meth. You're done with this alcoholism. Like I've been sober since 21, age 21. I haven't touched it. You know, every now and then, you know, like in my thirties, I'll have like a glass of wine or every, but it's just not a thing for me. I just, I don't enjoy it. Like it, I, I don't crave it. So. And um, through your therapy, like um, uh, prescription medication for like, the psychiatrics and all of that, like, were you able to um, get through all of that uh, without taking that kind of medication? I never took any medications in my life. Any type and of anti-anxieties? No, no, because, you know, it was, I was oblivious to the fact that I had anxiety, um, PTSD, depression, all that. I have, was completely oblivious. So I had my body just adapted to that kind of life like living on high alert that's just the way I lived my life um, and at times it was unhealthy but that's the only way that I knew how to do it until I my eyes was opened and I was like oh but I didn't need medication to deal with the anxiety depression um, while I was going to therapy that wasn't recommended or needed um, for some reason, that's what my therapist said. So yeah, she just said, never stop paddling. That's what my therapist told me. That That is your therapy. Yeah, she did. <laughs> she said it's a natural medicine. You have that gift. Wow. I That is just so incredible. Jess, I'm so happy and thankful that you came on the show today to share your story. Um, I know it's going to inspire a lot of people and just, you know, give hope to those who are suffering from PTSD, you know, childhood trauma, sexual abuse, that there is help out there. And, you know, you just have to ask for it. And if you want to heal, it is possible. You know, you can't feel hopeless and think that that's just the way your life is. 
because right. that doesn't have to be that way. You, you have to take control of what your happiness is. And right. um, I, you're like the living proof of that, Jessica, like yes. living proof. And I just, you know, I'm so happy that you came on today to share your story because I'm just, I'm, I'm struggling to not cry, you know, just, just hearing your, <laughs> you talk about it and how far you've come and you're a true champion and you're super inspiring. And, um, I just, I'm so glad we reconnected and you're not far away from me. I'm totally going to come visit you and we're going to go yes, surfing together. Yes, you have to. <laughs> I haven't surfed in forever and, you know, I'm totally out of shape. So I got to work out and prep my way toward meeting you again. <laughs> You're going to like whoop me and it's going to be shameful. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, thank you so much, Jess, for coming on the show. I really appreciate you. And, you know, I just, you know, I, I hope that, you know, we can be friends for a, a long time now because I just your story just touches me so much. Oh, my gosh. Yes. To be able to survive everybody, every human is a survivor. We we're made to survive and overcome any obstacle. And I, uh, that's like that Hawaiian saying, Ho'omao is, is, is about perseverance and, you know, through paddling and, and, and seeking help and, and freedom, I've realized that, you know, like to be able to persevere through those hard times, I'm telling you that to see, you might not see the goal then, you might be thinking like, this is the worst ever, like, why is my life this way? But if you just keep holding on, keep persevering, I'm telling you, it's going to get better on the other side. It's like to, to have that freedom is a gift that's above all. Um, the joy and peace that you can receive, it's for everybody. So... I just want to share that aloha and that hope to anybody out there who has struggled with sexual abuse, childhood trauma, drug and alcohol abuse, all of the above. I'm living example that you can be healed. Thank you so much. And thank you, everybody, for visiting us and sharing, you know, this time on Dark Horse Matters. You know, this is the place where, you know, we can talk about this, the how important yeah. it is to pursue something that you're passionate about because it could heal you from the inside out it really really is the pathway toward happiness so with yes. that being said you know just you know take care god bless and until next time jessica be passionate yes thank you bev it was awesome thank you so much <laughs>